take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. We're presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard at the beginning was Jason. Jason, you actually owe me something. Oh, what, what is that? Well, uh, so I think that our old friends in Lansing, who now do League One Unfiltered, were trying to get us in a podcast war between them and uh, the Union Omaha podcast, Who Gives a Hoot? Um, you know, just, you know, things like, like, for example, they pointed out to me that the guys at uh, Who Gives a Hoot mispronounced my name. And I'm like, Dude, guys, I'm the oh, last person. Oh, they definitely did. They definitely, could... what do they call you, Era, right? Era, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I'm the last person who complained about anyone mispronouncing a name. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm totally good with that. Yeah, I think uh, Era might be what I go with for the rest of the year. So Era, <laughs> Era Jersey sounds nice. I like maybe, that. Maybe it means that I'm a good listener, even though I'm a podcaster and talk all the time. I'm not sure. Or yeah, or it just sounds like a place in Jersey with a dirty beach. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, on that note, let's move on to news. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked. There's actually a lot of news. We won't go over everything, but um, you know, some of the highlights I think here are pretty interesting, Jason. Why don't you talk about the rumors of a new team in the Midwest with someone who's a soccer legend in the U.S. actually uh, involved? Do you want to talk to us about that a little? Yeah, apparently USL is just becoming the U.S. national team's uh, retirement league. So we've got Tim Howard in Memphis right now deciding to be the goalkeeper, coach, sporting director, owner, whatever. Uh, And now he's recruiting uh, Demarcus Beasley who wants to launch a team in his hometown of Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is a very prime and good area, I think, to launch a USL League One team. So what makes that area particularly good? Like, I'm not overly familiar with Fort Wayne itself, but, you know, it's near a couple of other, you know, relatively large metropolitan centers too, right? Right, and it's it's one of those things that's, it's nice with the population and it's about two hours away from indianapolis right so if you're looking to support in the 11 or you know one of the major teams you know a two-hour drive is a pretty decent drive um and so i think when you look at distance you look at population uh it's a good you know at least from requirement perspective those are two good traits to have and i think fort wayne uh is a good choice for that yeah, and you can't forget guys like Landon Donovan down at San Diego Loyal as well, right? So another yeah. owner who's also now their their coach too, right? So maybe Demarcus will coach or be a player manager. You know, that would be uh, that that could be fun. Where's um, uh, Kobe Jones from? Maybe I, maybe that's what's coming next. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sure. maybe yeah, maybe not. <laughs> So in other news, uh, the Richmond Kickers announced that they're doing some uh, some stadium enha- enhancements. Um, you know, this was a long time coming. It was kind of pre-announced last year that they that the new ownership group, you know, they they were coming in. They wanted to get a uh, lay of the land, I think, first and try and determine what priorities should we make in terms of this enhancement. Um, so there hasn't been a major enhancement in that stadium in over 25 years. So um, you know, basically, since it was redone for the College Cup back in 
in the mid nineties, um, city stadium hasn't been done. You know, there's things like there's bleachers there that are kind of old and decrepit. They're, they're metal and, and, uh, there's some rust on them and things. So, um, you know, that might be one of the things eventually they're, they're looking to do. Um, but more importantly, it's like, you know, they're, they're focusing more on the fan experience and making sure that, um, there's things like, you know, better Wi-Fi and, and, and things that really, um, you know, just make the quality of life for the fans in the stadium just a little bit better. Um, I, I think some other, you know, some other teams are lucky. You know, the guys obviously in in Madison and um, and, and other places, or you know, Tormenta is going to be a great uh, a great venue with a brand new stadium probably in 2021. Um, but you know, when you have this existing infrastructure in an iconic place like City Stadium, um, you know you do have to do this maintenance. And uh, you know, the kickers have a long-term lease there with the city, um, so so you know, it's on them basically to make these improvements. And lights too, right? Yeah, so they're getting new lights. Yeah, they're getting Musco lights, which are uh, which are are these new lights that really they, not only are they brighter and they they infill very well, but they also make sure that the surrounding neighborhood, because it is kind of a city, uh, it, it is in a pretty residential area, that there's not a lot of uh, of of spillage of lights away from the stadium area. So, um, so, so there's you know there's a number of little enhancements that they're doing. You can find it on the Kickers website uh, what they're doing. So, um, you know it's it's the kind of thing where I think people underappreciate how much ownership groups that, you know, aren't billionaires have to spend money on things like stadiums in order to, you know, enhance the fan experience, but also just, you know, maintain the existing environment, if not, and if they can't just improve it. Take note, Toronto. Take note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. M- Musco lights. <laughs> you know, yeah, now. lights. Who would have thought that? That <laughs> would have been lights. good to have at a soccer stadium. <laughs> who would have gave that a thought? Yeah. Um, so also, uh, a different partnership, Jason. So forward Madison announced that they're partnering with the Chicago fire formally. And, you hey, know, they, hey man, I, 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 I guess, know this is a rated E, so I'm just going to say, I didn't know that flamingos were little trollops, uh, <laughs> because not only are Ford Madison partnering with Chicago fire later that day, Minnesota United said that they are continuing their partnership with Ford Madison and hope to, help develop players from and then i don't is that a thing can you have multiple affiliates in leagues i didn't i didn't know that was a thing well i think there's so there's a difference between the formal affiliate agreement that you have between major league soccer and uh and um and usl teams but uh, there's no reason why you can't have multiple ones so in europe th- this happens a lot right like one b- big super club might have kind of two or three um you know associate clubs in the lower divisions who you know where they send their academy players and where they have certain agreements on you know maybe even training coaching staff and things like that so so that's not that unusual i think what's unusual here is that's the other way around it's like everyone's trying to get into madison instead of you know the chicago fire having Having two or three lower division teams that they have partnerships with, right? I think that's the, that's the you know unusual menage a trois that's going on here. Uh, Ooh, yeah. hoo, hoo. <laughs> might have to might have to bump us up to TBY seven tonight. Uh oh, <laughs> TB fourteen. PG, there you go. A little PG action. Yeah. Um, but yeah, leave it to Europe for the Palmenomini. But the one thing that I am curious about is so you're looking at Forge roster. You you look at you know kind of the pieces that they still need. So you assume that a goalkeeper is going to come down, whether it be from Minnesota or Chicago, uh, most likely Chicago. Uh, you look at you know maybe a right back. They don't really have anyone in depth there. 
but wouldn't it be beneficial for Ford to, and you know, maybe this is uh, in their future path and maybe they, they want to kind of build a fan base, build in some revenue and then start. But with Ford being so connected to the community and, and being so connected with, you know, the local soccer and fans, wouldn't they want to develop their own players and kind of, you know, look into making their own academy? Well, I think this doesn't preclude them from doing that. And at the same time, it allows the fire, you know, it, I, you know, the fire was looking into doing a two team of some sort. So this maybe can delay that for them for a few years before they figure out if they even need to. Um, but yeah, it, it allows, you know, the, the fire academy players to go up the forward, but presumably, you know, there are other development academy and, and some pretty strong youth clubs up in the Madison area. So maybe it's, it's hard for Madison to, you know, create their own infrastructure. I mean, that, that's an issue in some other areas too. Like you think about Greenville, for example, you know, when, when Greenville sent a team to the Academy cup and union Omaha sent a team to the, um, USL Academy cup, they, uh, they were basically, you know, all-star kind of teams that pulled players from a whole bunch of different youth clubs in the area instead of, you know, having their own youth infrastructure, because, you know, that, you know, unfortunately I'm, I'm, very involved in this right now, you know, youth soccer politics is, is, can be very messy. So I think in so, in so far as like forward Madison basically is the glue that keeps the whole soccer community together in the Madison area might be their first thing. And then hopefully organically, maybe some of the uh, youth clubs will want to, you know, join together and then, you know, become, uh, become a major partner and maybe the feeder into forward Madison. I mean, not dissimilar, quite frankly, to what's gone down, uh, gone on down in Raleigh with North Carolina FC, where you had two big youth clubs that kind of merged into the uh, NCFC infrastructure. And, and that's now become one of the largest, if not the largest uh, single youth club in the country. So, um, so I think forward is doing right by taking it slow because doing those yeah. youth, um, uh, building a youth infrastructure where there already is a youth infrastructure can get very messy and very political very fast. Yeah. And then, you know, if they go and have another successful season, uh, draw more people, all it does is build their reputation so that when they do decide to build that infrastructure, you're going to have a bunch of local youth teams pretty much dying to have that partnership. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uh, one name before we jump to the next news item on that Chicago Fire roster who is not starting, a uh, familiar name for Ford fans, Y. Omsberg. Oh, why it went to Chicago, huh? He, he yep. was was he trade? I didn't. I missed that news that he was traded from Minnesota, yep, or he was Sh- a free agent. I think uh, he. Yeah, I don't think he was picked up from Minnesota um and went to in chicago picked him up so yeah uh it looks like uh there's a possibility ford gets that dynamic center back duo back and run it back for a second year well so in the in their uh one of their preseason matches it looked like um it looked like Eric Leonard was actually playing center back. So I think that yeah. that would be better. I think Eric's a little bit better further up the field and, and guarding the back line as opposed to being on the back line itself. So that would be, that would be really good for forward and would certainly solidify things back there. Yep. So should we move on to some player signings? I mean, this is only some of them, but uh, Jason, I'm going to let you take over this section unless you want me to, um, to jump in here, oh, but I will free. say something about the first one. I think this first one was really interesting to me because, 
you know, an MLS journeyman who had a lot, he has a lot of hype five or six years ago. People thought he could, you know, be on the national team radar ends up in the USL. Why don't you talk about that one? And I mean, with, with good reason, right? He, he went to the premier league, you know, in 2013, I think it was. Uh, so we're talking about Breck Shea. Um, and for those who don't know, uh, played for FC Dallas, went to the Premier League, Stoke City, I think in 2013. And it was around the time to there wasn't as many MLS players going to the Premier League. Right. It, now, it's you know, if a, if a player goes to Premier League, it's not a big deal. But when Breck went, it was a pretty big deal, especially at his age, um, you know, and because he was a younger kind of almost, I think he might be a FC Dallas homegrown. So, and the, one of the things about Breck, if you've never seen Breck or seen him play, uh, Breck is a very interesting person. And by interesting, I mean ridiculous. Uh, and just to let you know, he's a white boy with dreads. And I don't think I've ever met a normal white boy with dreads. So that gives you an idea, uh, you know, holding an AK-47 and American flag shirt while drinking a Coors Light in his profile picture for years. Um, and he's just had a series of injuries. At times he's had a high ceiling. And then at times he's literally missing sitters in front of the net. Uh, and he's 30 now. Uh, so this is it. And I think for him, this is a good move. He played with Atlanta United last year. Uh, wasn't a consistent starter. And the times he did start, you didn't know what you were going to get with a coin flip. And you can also tell he was being nagged by injury. So I think for him, this is kind of a best case scenario, right? MLS sides aren't going to pick him up right now because it's too much of a liability. You don't know what you're getting. This is time for him to come to a USL side, uh, recover, be able to get some minutes in, get that consistency and get that confidence going. And then because he's playing with the, you know, Fort Lauderdale CF, they, he might be able to then jump up to inner Miami who doesn't have a very deep depth right now in their roster. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for him and a great opportunity for us to see him, uh, kick some 16 year olds in the shins and uh, <laughs> shoot some uh, wonder balls from 58 yards out and not even care if it goes in the net. Um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you know, his, his shot to move up to the MLS side is an important one. And it, you know, it wouldn't be surprised at all if he ended up, you know, being loaned up, like even if it was for say a, uh, uh, you know, U S open cup or something like that, because he is an American and in the U S open and, and that is going to be like inner Miami is going to be a team that's going to be very heavy in internationals. Mm -hmm. So they, they're only allowed to have five internationals for U S open cup rosters. So he might, you know, slot in there. Like maybe he won't even play in uh, as an outside back. He could play on the wing too. Like he's played yep. there and past in his, uh, in his career also, especially when they're, you know, playing in the first couple of rounds where they might be playing opposition that's more similar to, you know, USL League One, for example. Between Breck, Ricky Espen Lopez, and now uh, Renato Pena from Houston Dynamo putting a yawn emoji in the middle of his game or middle of his team getting shellacked this weekend by sporting uh, and then being taken off of the USL affiliate roster, it looks like he's not going to be on that team much longer. I would die for Fort Lauderdale to get him and between him, Breck and Ricky Lopez having like the bad news bears of the soccer world. <laughs> it would be absolutely amazing. There's a guaranteed red card in probably every other game. It would be nothing but entertainment for this league. I'm 100% behind this. Ronaldo, whatever you want, let me know. USL, whatever I got to do to make this happen, I'll make this happen. I need to see this. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so another signing from uh, from a, a relatively familiar name, uh, North Texas SC signed Batista. Yes. And so, I, you know, one of the things we talked about with North Texas was last year, especially towards the end of the year, we thought if they had one weakness, it was that height in their back line. Right. And you, you know, Breck Evans is gone now. Colin Montgomery is gone and the league is getting bet- bigger. You've got you know, three teams with strikers that are six three or taller, right? Which is absolutely crazy. So when you say that the league is getting bigger, you mean like actually in height? Actually, like literally bigger. So uh, North Texas, that was you know, and they you know not picking up Alfusani Jada, who was their biggest player last year, uh, height wise and weight wise. Probably it was one of those things to where you know that that was looking a little fishy for them. So uh, picking up Batista for those who didn't follow the year last year, he comes from LAFC. He was on loan with FC Tucson last year. Uh, now he is going to be with North Texas. And this is a man that if he is running full speed at you, you would curl up in a ball and just wait in the fetal position for it to be over because he is a big dude. And, uh, I think this is you, you this, have nightmares about that. I definitely like third, do. That's the third time I, you've brought up someone running full steam. Go at watch, you, go watch, go watch that game against Greenville. He had the he had the track back and try to run, and it was just a scary sight. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 great for North Texas, right, to be able to have that not get being on set pieces like they were. Um, and yeah, this this league's going to be a lot more physical than it was last year. Uh, New England Revolution. So, you, you know, you're going to talk about one player in particular, but they've actually signed about six players since the last time that we talked, um, including a couple of internationals and uh, and even some some folks who have experience in uh, USL. Um, so so they signed a player. Actually, there's an interview that I'll have uh, out probably over the weekend with uh, with the New England Revolution, too, and a player who um, who came from Loudoun United and is now there. But you want to talk about an academy player. So why don't you give a little highlight about uh, about Dennis Ramirez? Yeah, uh, they signed uh, an academy player in uh, Dennis Ramirez. And so, you know, 2018, he was on the U19 side, made 33 appearances, 30 starts for the academy the past two seasons. Um, and you know, he's someone that I'm excited to see and it's good to see, you know, the Rebs, you know, they put this USL league one side to have a path to the first team. And it's good to see that they are, you know, abiding by that and putting some players in there to get them started. Yeah, I, I actually think that New England shaping up to be a really interesting team and might surprise us this year. Oh, we'll, we'll talk, talk about that. We'll talk yeah, about I that saw in, the notes and I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about your height, but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> there you go. Well, I need, I need a spicy take. I can't leave all the spice for you. Come on. Well, no, you know, you know, a team you should get hyped about though, SC Tucson. Uh, you know, they've signed a couple of players, uh, two that have stood out in the past week or two. Uh, Jonathan Caparelli, who played for Chattanooga Red Wolves, who I think ha- is just incredibly skilled on the ball, probably one of the most skilled players on the ball in USL League One. Uh, just didn't get the consistent starting time. So I'm really excited for him to be able to go to Tucson and possibly get that. And listen, this is a Shaq Adams fan podcast. I'm extremely happy to see Shaq Adams not only just signed to the team, but also already sparking it and uh, scoring some goals in preseason. Uh, uh, this is this is a kid who I think is going to take a lot of people by storm, and I don't think we'll be in this league long. I think he's someone that's a standout. He's going to get some experience, and he'll be ready for the jump. All right, and we head uh, back from the west to Georgia 
South Georgia Tormenta signed defender uh, Stefan Mueller. Um, talk a little bit about uh, another, I guess, how should I say this, another person who's helping grow the league. Yeah, a, a 6'2 left back. So it's not even a center back situation anymore. It's your whole back line's got to be six foot or, or you're not making it in this league. Um, but no, it's good to see Tormenta get depth. They, like we mentioned in previous podcasts last year, the injury bug kind of plagued them. Their defense, they had a lot of people playing out of position. I know Connor had to move to the, you know, different sides a couple of times and the left side a couple of times. Uh, they had their center backs going wide. Uh, so it's good to see Tormenta going out and uh, getting depth for their back. And, uh, we, you know, we're coming down to the end here. Let's talk about Greenville Triumph signing uh, Noah Pilato. Yeah, and again, we talk about depth, right? So when you look at Greenville uh, last year, the least amount of players signed. Um, and now I think they're, you know, they're, they're up there. I think they've got 18 players on their roster, which is more or equal to half of the league. So props to them. Uh, Noah's going to be a, a good depth signing up top. Um, when we saw Jake Keegan go down, they didn't really have too many answers. They had to, you know, get uh, JJ Donnelly from Tormenta. Uh, now they've got Alex Morell up there. Um, and so, yeah, just more attacking depth. Um, Noah is going to be playing in the defensive midfield, but he is somebody that can move up and can score and get up on the ball. So I think, you know, the the more guys they have, especially in that midfield attack, uh, the better. All right, and we're headed to um, we're headed out to the new guys. So Union Omaha is still building their roster. So they are. They they, 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 they signed, they signed, which they is signed like well. Let's start with this. So they remember they signed thirteen players, I think, um, or or eleven players in one day, and then leaked out a couple more. Uh, so they had kind of a starting eleven. They still didn't have a goalie. Um, so, you know, how are they doing on that front, Jason? Does, yeah. uh, does Union Omaha have a goalie yet? They do. And, uh, we talked about him, your boy, uh, last time we, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago. So new who coming from Red Bulls too. Um, but you know, I'm excited to see that they signed some trialists in such uh, Sebastian Contreras and Ila Usumano. Uh, just because, you know, this is all, this is what this league and this, th- these teams are about, right? It's the opportunity for players who don't think they, you know, didn't get picked up by anyone. Don't think that they, you know, have a chance of playing professionally. They go to a couple of, you know, tryouts and to a new team in a city that didn't have professional soccer. And now they get to play this year. So it's always exciting for me to hear that when trialists get signed. Yeah, they've had uh, they had fifteen hundred ish people come for a preseason match in Crazy. Omaha. So you know that's pretty impressive. Um, okay, and and actually, I, I have a, a spicy prediction about that later. I do. Uh, so we're, we're we're I think we're on the same page with that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay, and also uh, someone moving up. Someone yeah. who I didn't see this. I figured this person was going to stay in the the structure where he was. So why don't you you know why don't you let us know who's moving on up from USL League One? Yeah. So Patrick Bunk Anderson, center back for Toronto FC two, uh, is moving up to USL Championship. And he is joining the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. And so if you know anything about the Riverhounds is that they have always, well, I don't want to say always, but they are definitely a defense, defense team. Uh, and so for Bob, for Coach Lilly to, you know, want Patrick Bunk Anderson, I think it's a, it's a big compliment to him. Uh, he was one of the only players 
to to start consistently for Toronto FC too, the way they rotated. He played more, he started more games than anyone on the team, only didn't start in one game last year, uh, led the team in clearances, blocks, aerial duels, uh, was probably their most consistent defender. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, between, and they've played the Pittsburgh maybe three times now between last preseason and this preseason. I think uh, Coach Lillie found something that he liked. So, J- Jason, did Bunk Anderson go there on a permanent deal, or is it a loan from Toronto? I think it is a permanent deal. Um, so, from what I read, they signed him. Um, and so, usually when you see uh, a loan, it'll, it'll say, you know, we have uh, brought in such and such. But from what I read, it's a one-year contract with a club option in 2021. Yeah, really, really interesting because because Bunk Anderson was like the one shining star in the Toronto two defense last year. Yep. So, um, so shall we move on to predictions, my friend? Let's do it. All right. So first, Jason, we're going to start off here with well, so, uh, yeah, general I, predictions. Yeah, let's because I know I have playoffs in our in our notes first, but let's save that for last because after I saw your list, I I, I don't know if I'm prepared to talk to you about this right now. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, move to the end. Uh, that's the nice thing about uh, <laughs> about keeping things digital. I, here. I can't I can't. I can't even believe what I read. I, uh, uh, oh, it's we'll, not, we'll, we'll, it's not that it's, it's okay. bad. It's bad. So, so, <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring the spice here, sir. All right. Uh, Dark Horse Team of the Year, Jason. Uh, we have the same Dark yeah. Horse Team of the Year. So this is the team that, you know, if, if any team is going to make the playoffs who no one thinks is, who will that be? So, Jason, who did we say? We said Toronto FC, too. And, and why uh, did we say that? So I'll tell you why I said it. You tell me why you said it. Uh, I look at their team and I look at their attack and it's just it's pretty much the core attack that they had last year. Uh, and now they have an even more talented midfield uh, players like Dante Campbell, who didn't get to play as much last year, has a chance now to play consistently. The one question mark, though, about this team for me is the Olympic qualifying, because when you look at the Olympic qualifiers, you're probably taking almost all of that midfield with you. You're probably taking Tariq Muhammad with you. You're probably taking um, Jordan Perusa. Uh, so that, you know, even Luca Petrasso might be going right. So it's one of those things to where you you get a couple games to where they you know for qualifiers and then if they make it you might be losing a good portion of your team for you know 10 12 games yeah i'm i'm completely with you i think the one thing that they need to work on and if they can figure out how to defend a little bit better as a unit and to you know pressure and cover better than they did last year I think that would be the difference. I mean, basically, you only needed, you know, two games to be um, to, to be turned it from uh, from um, from draws into wins, and the next thing you know, they're if not in the playoffs, then they're right on the edge there. So, um, so I think Toronto is going to be a fun to watch again this season. I think that they're going to have a really, really good uh, good attack again. Um, the question is, you know, can how many goals do they let up? And right. uh, you know, they had they scored the third most goals in the league last year. And they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's telling you that they have a problem in the back, not that they have a problem up front. Yep. And, you know, whether you look at it as a good thing or a bad thing, right now they are pretty slim uh, defensively in depth. So they have probably 
uh, one of each. Uh, so they probably have like one backup for center back, one backup for left backup. You know, I don't even know if they have a right back backup yet. Uh, but I would consider it good considering maybe we'll get consistency from this team as far as them not consistently rotating players because outside of Perusa, Bunk Anderson, and I believe Petrasso, nobody played uh, 20 games or more as starters. Right. And so let's move on to the next category. This is the surprise team of the year. Jason, who did you have? So I had... Chattanooga and I know a lot of people are saying well that's not surprising but here's the surprise part I think Chattanooga ends top three and could possibly host the playoff game because I think that people are are critically underrating uh what Chattanooga can do they you know one of the things was they kept matches close and they couldn't score and now they've ramped up on their offense um They've got everybody back from uh, an offensive side as far as BD, Zaid, Hurst is back and finally gets to play consistent minutes. They've apparently got this one kid who uh, can't stop scoring goals this preseason. Uh, it, it's they're looking dangerous and their big question mark with them is their back, their, their, their defense, right? That back line, especially uh, they've pretty much revamped it. Um, you know, but they brought in new guys. These are international defensive backs. You know, their new coach, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy said to me, you know, that was his focus, right? He said he looked at the team and he said, okay, I want to, I want to focus on that back line. So bringing in people uh, like Travis Nick Law, who can play either defensive mid or center back, um, and then bringing in people uh, like Paytas as right back. You know, this is a team to where I think if they can get it down defensively they're going to be dangerous and be winning these games 3-1, 2-0. You know, I think both of us have um, a little bit of maybe bias because we've recently um, interviewed their coaches, but <laughs> my pick for surprise team of the year was New England. And um, on the uh, this weekend when you listen to the podcast, you'll hear – Coach Clint Pa, uh, who also has a you know long record in American soccer, uh, you know playing at DC United and and uh, you know now coaching, uh, being the head coach of the uh, uh, of New England Revolution too. I, I think New England has a good shot to surprise everyone this year. You know we we always discount or we always seem to discount um, MLS two teams. Like when we were doing this very show last year, um, I don't think many of us had. Um, had more than one two team maybe making uh, making the playoffs and you know even even though there was only one and it was North Texas you know I, I think that there's it sounds to me like New England is learning some of the lessons that North Texas learned so they're signing international players they're signing young promising players who might move up but they're gonna you know kind of bloody them in in their on their two team and then also moving up their most talented academy players and going to be bringing down a couple of players from the first team so I, I really think that um, that New England could surprise everyone, and I think people are going to overlook them. I think they have the um, potentially the uh, the uh, the potential to surprise people because they don't have any kind of resume as to how exactly they're going to play. Now, presumably, they'll play similarly to the first team, um, but I do think that they might surprise people in um, just how good that they are. Um, so, for me, New England's the surprise team of the year. Okay. 
I can I can see that. Um, and like you said, with new teams, you have no idea coming out the gate how they're going to play. And so it could be one of those things to where it takes the teams, you know, quarter to half of the season to figure it out. So I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, just throwing in there, Ricardo Zacharias is the kid in Chattanooga who scored like eight goals this preseason. It's been wild. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay, moving on. Our next category is who do we think is going to have the best offense? You and I both said South Georgia Tormenta. Yeah. Why, Jason, did we it's, say South it's Georgia not, Tormenta? It's not fair. It's, it's they, they had one of the best offenses last year, and then, you know, injury bug hit them. Um, and so this year they somehow just – made it even better, right? Uh, Marco Micheletto is an absolute beast. Lucas Coutinho is a beast. They've still got Mikey Rowe. Uh, they brought up Luke Amar from their, from their second team. Uh, Pato, Bell, uh, Pato Bell, Bo- Botello-Faz now as a forward. Um, you know, they've got Anslin still, or Arslan still. It's, this is just a, a team to where... They've got so much talent, so much attack, even from the back of, you know, their their left backs, right backs coming up. It, it's kind of not fair. Uh, it, I, Jamga coming off of the bench. You literally have one of the best uh, midfielders and wingers from last year coming off of the bench, you know, in this as a 60-minute super sub on tired legs. It's really not fair. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they use Devin because – uh, you know he's really good at getting in behind. So uh, I I think I think he might start more games than you think. I think against teams that press a little bit more, so teams like North Texas, he might actually start against them. So um, because teams that play high lines, uh, he's able to you know make those diagonal runs kind of from the left side into the center, and you know even run into balls, right? So if you're being pressed by um, by a team that's playing a high line, you know what do you do? You just you know play the old 1980s kick and run. You know, kick and rush. They used to call it in the UK, and um, and and he's the perfect guy to to do that. So I think he might actually start more games than you think. I don't think he'll start all of them, but I could see him starting. You know, fifteen, twenty games. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and also, you know, the other thing about that is Tormenta last year, of course, like you mentioned earlier, had a lot of injury problems. So maybe they're thinking, you know, hey, let's rotate. So, you know, we have a guy sit out one out of every three games, so they don't have those kind of tired legs, and and uh, and and you know, you wind up getting soft tissue injuries and things like that that um, that can keep guys out, even if it's only for a couple of games. You know, you don't want them to be out for a couple of games, so you plan for that a little bit. And I think that's that that depth. I agree is is what I think is going to make. Tormenta Tormenta, uh, one of the best offenses, and the fact that they have the ability to kind of switch up what how they play, right? So, that's I think that's a know. big thing too. Exactly, they they have the players to where if a certain style is not working, if they can't play direct through the middle, then they can bring Jangwa to play it wide, and they can have Pato coming in with late runs, who's great in the air and heading the ball and finishing that way. So that's why, yeah, like you said, I think that's really goes into them having the best offense because it's not just the players; it's the the different types of abilities these players have and how you can change that offense. Fair enough. So moving on to who we think will win the golden boot, I'm going to pull the curtain aside for a second, Jason, and just okay. say that while we were talking, Jason changed who he uh, was going to have <laughs> as his golden boot winner. Um, I'm going to let you know why. I'm going to let uh, you know why. Yeah, so, 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 we both, so we both at one point had Ronaldo Damas here, right? So, yes. you know, Ronaldo Damas obviously did win the golden boot um, last year. Um, so why, firstly, why did you change? And then secondly, who did you, uh, who did you pick? 
So, uh, one reason, two words why I changed it, Alex Bruce. I think with North Texas last year, Ricardo Pepe was their starter. And, you know, after scoring, you know, his eight goals in three games or whatever it was, immediately got attention from FC Dallas. And between him also going on youth national team duty, they kind of handed the keys to Ronaldo, and he was that consistent starter and kind of that up-top striker. Now they've got Alex Bruce, and Alex Bruce has been looking good in preseason. He brings a new dynamic to this team. So I think Alex Bruce takes away some of the goals that Damos is supposed to get. And because of that, I think somebody like Jordan Peruza, who is that still that lone striker up top in Toronto and has that talented midfield consistently, you know, giving him them through balls and him being the penalty kick taker, the free kick taker. I have a feeling if he stays uh, and doesn't go away for Olympic qualification uh, for too long, he can rack up those goals and be a golden boot winner. So I didn't pick Ronaldo Damas for because of one person, Arturo Rodriguez, mm. because I don't think that Damus is going to be as good unless, you know, FC Dallas can mystically grow someone in the desert out there um, to replace Arturo Rodriguez. I, I, I mean, it's not, Rodriguez it, is good. It's not but, like he has a brother or anything that plays for the team. Who yeah. But I mean, he's, you know, he's not, but let's face it, D- David, unless he's really come a long way in the off season, he's not his brother yet. Now, could he be two years from now when, you know, he's the same age as his brother was last year? Maybe, but he's not there yet. And he also plays a little bit of a different game, like the, right. the stylistically, you know, a Toro was able to find seams that almost no one else in the league could, could find. And certainly no one else in North Texas was able to find. So, um, and, and that's one of the reasons why both Ricardo Pepe and Ronaldo Damas were so dangerous last year. Um, so I picked Jake Keegan. Um, I, I think if Jake hadn't been injured for the last four games last year, he may have been in the, uh, in the conversation for the golden boot. Um, you know, he probably would have come up a goal or two short, but, uh, you know, he had nine goal. He had nine goals, um, only played in, in, I don't remember. I think it was about 20 games. Um, so, you know, if he can keep up that kind of, you know, one goal a game, um, type of type of pace or one goal, every other game, I should say type of pace, then there's no reason why he can't have 14 or 15 goals and, and be out there. I also think that because the Greenville defense will be so good. And I think that coach Harks, it took him a few games. It took him a month or two or six weeks kind of to figure out exactly what the league was about and how and how that team gelled but as soon as the chemistry was there starting in in may so like you know maybe six or seven games into the season greenville's attack all of a sudden got really good and then down the stretch you know you know obviously jake got hurt uh carlos gomez came out of uh came out of his shell and scored a couple of goals kind of you know a few were very lucky but um but you know i i would have liked to have seen greenville play in the playoffs with jake keegan because i i think I think the finals especially could have looked much different um, had had Keegan been in there because it would have been something else for the North Texas defense to uh, look into. So so I'm going to put Jake up there just because I think they're you know Greenville's going to be able to keep the ball out of the net and that means that you know Jake's going to have a lot of chances this year if he can stay healthy and his foot's okay. Yeah, it's a fair fair shout. So most assists. Um, I want you to go first because this is this was interesting. Uh, so when I saw your your name, 
So I'm going to say Greg Hurst. Um, you mentioned him earlier, plays for Chattanooga. He only played nine matches last season. Um, and in those nine matches, he got two assists. Um, you know, it, and, you know, it took him a few games to kind of integrate himself within the system. So I think now that he's had a full preseason, I think once he knows Zayed and Beattie and all those guys, um, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I'll probably be right if he was an MLS, but not necessarily in uh, USL League One because I could see Hurst getting the ball out to Beattie, Beattie crossing, and then, you know, either either Zayed or someone else, you know, kind yeah. of tapping one yeah. home. Yeah, and that's what I was about to yeah. say. I think so, so. So if this was key passes, maybe it would be better. <laughs> but um, but but it's possible, you know, Hurst, if if depending on how Chattanooga ends up playing, because obviously, you know, Coach Oblade is going to play differently than the two coaches that Chattanooga had last year. But if, you know, let's say that they play in a more of a 4-4-2 with Hurst kind of as a withdrawn uh, kind of attacking mid or a number eight versus uh you know bd and zayed being in front of him if he can feed them the ball those other two guys we know can finish we've seen some amazing finishes from both of them yeah i'm just i just am am hesitant because i think with him he's going to be that kind of top guy and he might be holding it up for the wingers for bd to go and cross in and for pineda to cross in uh to his or even to him right so we'll we'll see but I, i don't hate it like like you said he came in he had two assists and two goals in the seven starts that he had at the end of the season. Eleven key passes in those seven starts. So you might be on to something. Yeah. So Jason, who do you think will get the most assists this season? Well, you know, it goes with your your Jake Keegan uh, Golden Brute prediction. I have Carlos Gomez. I think that when we talked about how Greenville's offense clicked, it was because it started running through him and it started playing more direct. If you remember, Greenville in the first half of the season was all about crossing, 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 and actually never succeeding with those crosses. Then they started to play a lot more direct. They started to draw the defenders in so then that the wingers could then make runs as opposed to just playing wide. And Carlos Gomez was the one who really put it out there. Uh, 48 key passes, six assists. Uh, seven goals and we stepped up when Jake Keegan went down and uh, yeah I think that you know he's gonna he's gonna let it spray excellent so Jason I'm gonna ask this one of you who do you think will have the best defense this year so it's it's tough because when you look at the starting rosters Greenville just looks good. They looked great last year they lost Kevin Pulitz and then brought in Brandon Fricky who is equally probably as good as Kevin Pulitz and might be even a little better passing. Um, And so it's tough for me to not vote against them, right? Uh, Cole Seiler retiring is a big loss for them. But I think with the center back duo of Lee and Fricky, you've got your, you know, you've got Muhammad now on the back along with Tyler Pollock on the other side. It's, it's a tough defense. I don't, I, I just, you know, when you talk about depth, maybe then you can argue other teams. But just looking at that starting roster, it's hard for me to pick anyone other than Greenville. Fair enough. Um, you're probably right, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna pick a different team to be different. And like you mentioned, this team, um, you know, 
last year did a very good job defending and i think they've only you know they've only strengthened a little bit and now that they have a coach who you know i i think likes to defend as well and is uh coaches defensive teams i'm going to go with chattanooga i think coach obleda will have that back line you know humming um i mean chattanooga they actually were the second or third best defense in the league last year so um you know a couple of goals wind up uh going in uh, on greenville that didn't go in last year and the next thing you know um, you know, Chattanooga ends up with uh, with potentially the least goals, and you know, will they have the most clean sheets? Maybe not. I think yeah, that probably goes that, to Greenville, but um, that's my fear is is the time it's going to take for them to kind of gel and get it going, right? Like it's almost like starting a new team. Like we look at Ford. Ford had one of the best defenses last year, right? When you look at the statistics, Ford uh, was second in goals conceded as far as least goals conceded and it doesn't seem like that but they were a very very good defensive team and when you look at the first half of the season it kind of took them a little bit of time to get it together and I'm a I fear that's what Chattanooga is going to go through and I don't I think you're absolutely right they definitely you know bolstered up their defense like I said they brought in those international players on the back line so you see where their priorities went to uh, I just wonder the time frame it's going to take for them to get it together. Fair enough. And now that we have our best defenses, who is your, Jason, defensive player of the year? Uh, Tyler Pollock, uh, because or Tyler Pollock, I'm sorry. Uh, and that's because we already know that this league uh, does not appreciate center backs. So I can't give it to somebody who I do think is probably going to have a great center back year and lead in all defensive stats as far as uh, straight defense goes. So you got to give it to somebody who is more involved. And Polak was involved in the attack. He's involved in the midfield. He's involved in on the back line. Um, he's somebody who I think is probably the most important player to Greenville outside of Carlos Gomez, if not more than Carlos Gomez, because I don't think that Greenville gets to play the way that they play without Tyler. Um, and he almost won last year. It was definitely in, in the you know contending for it. Uh, almost scored them a goal, which you know could have led to extra time or could have even won them the USL Championship Cup. So it's it's tough, but I, I think that Tyler, this is the year. Uh, that he can, you know, do it, lead that team, and and be the player that can get that defensive player of the year award. Yeah, Tyler's a good shout. I wonder, uh, I wonder if Ian Antley will take over his uh, his brother's crown <laughs> and uh, down at at the Listen, kickers. Richmond, Richmond said we're not going to worry about size. We're just going to get the most buff player that we can find <laughs> that happens oh, to also. You, uh, you see those pythons, man? It's, oh it's, man! Listen, yeah. If, if there's a fight in USL League One, I'm I'm turn turn your child's head away. You, they cannot watch that. This is going to be this is going to be too much. Well, hopefully, there's not a fight. So I, I was uh, when I was thinking about my defensive player of the year, I initially went, of course, to you know I you know I love me a good number six and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was going to go with Eric Leonard from forward Madison, but then I realized that, you know, because he's a central defensive midfielder, he'll probably make team of the year or something like that, but he won't be the defensive player of the year, even though, you know, that's his primary responsibility. Um, but so I'm going to say Brandon Fricky. I mean, he's, you know, like you said, he probably actually won't win in the voting. Um, but I think that if Greenville is going to make the finals again and and going to make it uh, make a good run in the playoffs, that he's going to have to, you know, really be the glue back in the back of the Greenville defense. And I think he is. I mean, he was yeah. one of the best defensive 
defense uh, defenders last year. Um, you know, played the center back and the center center back in a three back system for for Lansing. And uh, um, so, so I think I think when you look at the defensive stats at the end of the day, Brandon Fricky will be probably in the top three or four of, in every single defensive stat um, for in, in the during the season. And he was top five in every one last year. So I think you're 100 percent right. And if you listen to uh, our podcast pal, Chris Ashley's Yeah, That Soccer Show podcast, he had mentioned one of the things this preseason that he that that stood out to him was how vocal Fricky is and how much of a general he is in organizing and getting everyone together. And I think that's going to be really important for Greenville. Yeah, I mean, given how organized they were, if they could, if they can be more organized, then, uh, then I don't even. No, yeah, I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah, right? I, I don't know if it is either. Yeah, thirteen goals in twenty-eight. Thirteen goals allowed in twenty-eight games. I mean, that's uh, excuse me, thirteen shutouts out of twenty-eight yeah. games. Just amazing. Twenty-two goals in twenty-eight games. This is crazy. crazy. The surprise player of the year. So I'll go first here. So you know, this one probably comes a little bit out of left field. And I'm only going to say this because. Um, you know, last year I didn't only watch a bunch of. Uh, um, I got a little bored after the USL uh, League One season ended, and I wound up watching a lot of college soccer um, because I couldn't watch at Major League Soccer anymore. And um, I wound up watching a lot of Pac-12 for uh, for a couple of different reasons. But someone who really impressed um, was what uh, was Simon Lecresner, Um and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. And Simon, uh, he was the 30th overall draft pick in the Major League Soccer draft. He's now signed for New England Revolution 2. He was uh, he's he's a center back from uh, the University of California. He's very physical. His positioning is great. He's good in open field tackles. Um, in 2015, he was the U.S. Development Academy Player of the Year. So his senior year of high school, basically, um, he was the uh, um, Player of the Year in the DA. And I think that that you know no one's really heard of him no one really knows him and he's going to go out there and one of the reasons why you're going to you know you you don't you don't believe me but you're going to see he's going to mop up a lot of stuff and really um really wind up making a big difference for that team especially if they're going to make a run for the playoffs um so uh anyway yeah, he pl- he played he played three matches, by the way. He played three matches for New England Revolution to for New England Revolution, the senior team, during preseason. So mm. he's on the cusp. He's he's there somewhere. Do you think? That, yeah, because I he's yeah he's isn't he starting for them right now? Well, he's he yeah. So he he started in a. Is he starting on the first team? I think he is. Oh, I don't know. I missed that. If so, yeah. So it shows you how little I, I've been paying attention to Major League Soccer this year. So, so I, I didn't know if you had because you had just did the, uh, the um, interviews. If you had some information, but I think he, if he's not starting, um, then I just saw, like you said, what you said earlier about him starting in the preseason, and maybe that's what I was looking at. That's possible. So yeah. while I look that up and I will come back, who was your uh, who is your dark horse player of the year? So I'm going to come back to one because we had the same one. And I know it was so hurtful for you because you wanted to talk about him. So I'm going to let you talk about him in a second. Uh, but, you know, let's let's go to the Union Omaha I think Dami's a beast. I think that he is going to surprise people this year. Uh, he's already been showing out in preseason. Um, he, you know, played for Duluth FC coming in. Um, he is somebody that I think you can play in different positions. He's somebody um, that you can play as a defender on the um, 
on any kind of either on the center side or up in the defensive midfield and even out wide. Um, and he's someone that's not afraid to move up on the ball. So, you know, going into the attack, I think that there's a lot of people who are going to catch on to him. He's going to be a fan favorite and uh, he might show out in this league a little bit if he gets the starting chance. That's a good shout. Um, but you were going to say Riley Kraft, right? I was, but <laughs> I'm going to let you do it because I know how much it hurts you. I just, no, I'll just I, say that I think that Riley is going to be spraying that ball and, um, you know, getting some assists and really being the, the, the pivotal point of their attack. And okay. something that they kind of, you know, depended on Joe Gallardo last year. Joe was a little bit more of a dribble, dribble into the box and then not necessarily have the final third uh, passing. And I think Riley's one of those who is going to take it, you know, the the top of the box or on the attack before you even get to the final third and be able to to hit those uh, wingers or those forwards that are in stride. Great. So LaCresner actually is on the uh, Revolution 2 roster. He is not okay. on the senior team roster. Okay. Um, so there you go. He, he did play those three games in preseason and played all uh, all 90 and all three. So um, yeah. So with Riley Kraft, you know, he, he came in midseason last year. He has, you know, youth national team pedigree. Um, you know, I, I think he was maybe one of these players who was really promising and then kind of plateaued for a little while. But I, I think in the right system, in USL League One, he's crafty enough. And I didn't mean that to, you know, I, I didn't mean that, that you, pun Go there. ahead and just go ahead and, and give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> go ahead. You deserve anyway. it. He's good on the ball. He's able to, you know, he's able to do some things that no one else, at least last season on Richmond, was able to do. And that was keep the ball and take people on one-on-one without pace, right? So you have guys like Imapwe and and um, and you had others who could take people on the dribble in with speed. But, uh, you know, he, he can't only beat people with speed, but he can, he, you know, he can keep the ball and find those line-breaking passes. And I think he, he if Richmond is going to make a run for the playoffs this year, he's going to be a key to that, I think, in the middle of the field. And um, or even if he's like, you know, a little bit out on the right, like it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of style Richmond plays this year under uh, under Swatsky. But, uh, you know, I think he can be key to that in that he can, you know, hold up the ball, be that number eight. Um, he's not a great defender defender but he can get back like he's pretty he's pretty physical when it comes to um when it when it comes to pace so you know he, he'll be running at the same pace in the 80th minute as he was in the second minute um so overall i think that he could really surprise a lot of people i mean and, and maybe in a way he's not a huge surprise because we saw those flashes of brilliance last year and a team that wasn't as organized as they maybe they will be this year yeah i like like you said i think we both had him for a reason um and i think he plays an important role because, you know, the one thing that Richmond really couldn't get going last year was that consistent offense. So if he's able to kind of take control of that and kind of be the player that they need to spark that, then, um, you know, this is somebody that's going to easily be, you know, a, a first team, second team nominee if he can get Richmond in that position. All right. And so firstly, who do you think is going to be the most valuable player? I will say that we picked uh, two different people from the same team. Listen, if if Greenfield doesn't make the championship, we, you know, I, it, it, we we are looking bad because we've got <laughs> we've got uh, their players all over uh, on these uh, superlatives. But I think Carlos Gomez, um, you saw it last year 
where he stepped up when Jake Keegan went down, his scoring ability, he put that team on his back, the offense ran through him, uh, and also was super involved. So it's not just about his 48 you know, chances created and his seven goals and six assists. He had 26 interceptions and was involved with 224 duels. He is somebody who is doing it both sides of the ball, back and forth. Uh, it's in extremely important to Greenville's success. And so if Greenville does end up being the number one team in the league, ends up you know being the most dominant team, you usually give it to that player like North Texas last year, Arturo Rodriguez, who was really the vital player who made that happen. So I'm going to go and say if I'm predicting Greenville is going to be that team this year, you got to give it to Carlos. Well, I'm going to say that um, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably both be right and someone else will win just because the voting will go in between these two guys. Um, but I'm going to say Jake Keegan. And especially if he wins the Golden Boot and they um, and they win and Greenville wins the championship. So uh, because I think, you know, although I agree with you, Carlos Gomez can be like that Arturo Rodriguez creator in the midfield type of player. I suspect that that Keegan will show some flashes of brilliance this year. And, you know, while Carlos will be important, he'll, he'll only be one of the facilitators for Jake to finish off a lot of a lot of plays. So I'm going to I'm going to say Jake, um, but only if he wins the Golden Boot. Otherwise, it's Carlos Gomez. OK. And by the way, I had to look it up because it was bothering me. The The center back that uh, New England's playing is Henry Kessler. Oh, there you go. So okay. that's the, those Ks. That, that's what's <laughs> what messing me up. LeCressner. Le yeah. 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 Especially where, where the emphasis is on the crest. Yeah, see, Kessler, crest. Yeah, you see, yeah. You see where I'm going. I, I, I got you. All right, so who's going to make the playoffs? So who slips in at number six in the playoffs? Remember Please. for everyone who doesn't know um, this year, uh, there's going to, the top six teams make the playoffs out of the 12. So, and the, uh, the top two get a buy in the first round uh, teams, three and four play at home. So the better team uh, will host in all the playoff games. So, um, so I guess theoretically the number five team could potentially host the final if the number six team goes through. To yeah. The final. But okay, but nonetheless, so so who's your number six team here, Jason? I think Omaha. Um, I think Omaha is going to have one of the best defenses in the league, and I think what you're saying about New England applies to them as well. Um, I think their defense has been an emphasis, especially during this uh, preseason. Um, I mentioned earlier some of their defensive players that I think are going to surprise people. Uh, they got Daryl Knotson from Tormenta FC last year as you know in the center back. They got Luke Hosworth from FC Tucson. So they have guys who have played in this league before. Uh, they know what the travel is like. They know how to get this team motivated. Um, if they can get Tobias over here, apparently he's having problems getting a visa. Um, you know, you got Xavier Gomez. I think that they have the talent. Uh, they have the players. They have offensive talent like Elvier and Ethan Vanacore Decker, who has been a beast this preseason. I think they're going to slip in that last spot. So when I made my list to do this, I had Omaha at seventh. And mm. I think my number six team is New England for some of the reasons you, that I mentioned before. You got a lot, you got a lot of dip on your chip for New England. I'm, I'm, I like that you're going all in, though. I, I mean, it could just be recency bias. This happens to me all the time. You know, I talked to the coach. It sounded great. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. This team could be really great, you know. Um, so that could be part of it. But, you know, like any new team, um, you know, I think that 
they'll have the talent pool and the depth that will be needed to kind of hold it together by the end of the season. And I think the fact that, that, that they're bringing in these international players that are potentially MLS caliber will make them surprisingly good to a lot of people. And, um, and that you'll see them, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be, they're not going to run away into the playoffs, but I think that they're going to find a way to squeak themselves into the playoffs, you know, maybe at, as that number 16. Okay. So who's your number five, Jason? Uh, I've got Ford. Um, and this is something that where I think they definitely have room to end up as a three or four seed. I'm just basing it off the roster. I see now still questions at goalkeeper, um, still questions at left back and right back. And what do you do if Christian Diaz ends up leaving? I don't know if he stays the whole year with the team. I don't think you train with two or three MLS teams and still stay with the team for the whole year. I think he's getting other looks. Um, Eli Lockerbie, I think right now is their only right back on the roster. So like I said, I have questions with depth there. Um, but yeah, I think they, they, they have the offensive experience. They brought in, you know, one of eight, all, you know, 800 of the players in this league who are above six, four, uh, <laughs> as a striker. Um, and so, you know, JC banks, I think is going to play a, a vital role kind of coming back, tracking back, getting the ball and, you know, you know, being the middle attack. And I, I think they'll be fine. Um, I just, you know, fifth spot, I feel comfortable. And like I said, depending on what they do with their roster, especially now that they have these affiliates, they bring back Wyatt, uh, they definitely have room to go to a four or three seat. I'm going to go with the Richmond Kickers as my number five. Um, I think that they're going to put it together. I think their back line is improved. Um, I think that they'll be able to score more than they did last year, and I think that that's going to make the the difference. And, um, you know, they'll be a solid team. Well, I, I – well, yeah, that's that's a good question. I think everyone. So I, okay. I, you know, so I suspect that that basically they'll be they'll be scoring by committee. I mean, you'll notice that you know we didn't have that many kickers. I mean, outside of Riley Kraft, we didn't have that many kickers really up here. But I think that's because when you look at it, it's like every a lot of positions they're solid now. Um, and you know, I'll give a benefit of the doubt to another Antley. You know, doing doing some working some magic. So <laughs> I think they stay healthy. They they play as a team. And um, you know they'll they'll have that great support from um, for, from this from the fans there in City Stadium, and um, I I think they're just going to be more organized than they were last year and, and go forward more. I think you know the players at least kind of have learned a lesson that you can't just um, possess the ball for possession's sake. You have to make sure that you go forward more than they they did certainly the first half of the season. Yeah, um, I'm just. Um, you know, you look at the roster right now, they've got Emiliano coming from, you know, the Argentinian, but he's not necessarily a goal scorer, or at least he hasn't been in the past. And then you've got Stanley Alves, who I think is a great kid who uh, has, you know, brings a spark to this team and has goal scoring abilities. And that's it. That's all I see on their roster right now for Fords. And that just scares me. I, I don't know if that's enough. And I don't know if those goals start coming. I don't, you know, those zero zero one one games aren't going to be enough to get you into the playoffs. 
Yeah, that's probably true. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the I'm still gonna stick with them as as my number five. Okay. Um, so for my number four, I have forward for mostly the same reasons that that you had um, had them at number five. I just think that they'll you know kind of squeak a couple of points above the kickers in New England in order to get get the the number four seed and a home playoff game um, against the kickers. Uh, who do you have getting a playoff game in your number four slot? I got Tormenta. And I think with that attack, it's just they're they're too talented to not put them there. Uh, I just want to see what that defense is like, you know, and and how they gel and the difference of transitions. Last year, you had an Antley be able to go up the field and overlap and really contribute to that attack. Can Reese Williams do that this year? Um, So I have a couple questions, but one question I don't have about them is whether or not they'll make the playoffs. I think they're definitely in there. There you go. And who's your number three? Who who would host Omaha in your uh, in your playoff bracket here? Again, we're we're on the same page. I think we both have Chattanooga, right? Yep, we do. Yeah, I mean, better defense, uh, still a good. Uh, you know, I, I should say a good, still a good defense, and a much better potentially offense. I think that you know, Hurst, Zayed, Beatty, um, Pineda, you know, th- those guys were were good last year. But I think as long as they stay healthy, um, those guys can put in a lot of goals. I I am questioning a little bit their depth there if someone does get hurt because obviously when last season when when Zayed um, got injured and Beatty missed a couple of games as well, um, you know, they they're kind of production dried up and they you know just missed the playoffs because of it so um you you know i i think that that those are that as long as everyone stays healthy they're good enough to kind of you know be middle of the pack in the in the playoff burst yeah i don't disagree with you and i think the difference between last year and this year was uh you know when when bd went out and zaid was already hurt they had to go out and get Hurst, and Hurst is already there now. I think Connor Doyle, a player who uh, started off well and then you know didn't get to play much because of injury. Um, I think he, you know, is healthy, can play. This Ricardo Zacharias kid is apparently the best uh, forward in the world uh, with the amount of goals he's scoring. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think we're on the same page. I think. They they've improved their defense. They've got depth in their offense, and so and this is you know they're opening up their stadium this year. They they kind of have pressure to to perform, and you know new coaches coming in, new excitement. Uh, this is this is the year that they got to do it. So my number two is South Georgia Tormenta, very similar to what uh, to, to what you said before. Uh, you know, a good attack. They obviously can change things up. They have a lot of depth in their attack as well, so they'll be able to play in the multiple competitions. Um, you know, you know, I think it's a matter of for, for between the two of us, you're probably talking about three or four points, right? So it's a couple of goals um, and maybe a, a win instead of a draw, and you know, we wind up having this this order change. But but I think both of us are pretty confident that Tormenta makes the playoffs this year. Yeah. Um, so, so here's one that's not a surprise, I think for you, from you and, but from me, it's a surprise because I don't have this team on my list at all. Jason, who's your number two? Yeah. Somebody who, uh, has some sense around here. I've got North (laughs) Texas. Uh, I don't, I, I can't wait to hear how you go from uh, the most dominant team in the league on pretty much both sides of the ball. The only team that was more dominant was probably Greenville from a defensive standpoint. And even then, uh, do you know how many clean sheets 
uh, uh, North Texas had. It was probably one less than uh, Greenville, right? The same amount as Greenville. So I don't know where you're going with this, but when you look at North Texas, uh, did they have turnover? Yes, but they still brought back uh, Damis. They've got Oscar Romero back. They've got a Rodriguez brother who I will always count in. I don't even care if he's a distant cousin. Uh, if he's a Rodriguez relative <laughs> in that family, I'm going to assume he's good. Um, they brought in uh, Batista in the back. They've re-signed their goalkeeper in Avales. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't doubt a team and Eric Quill who put together a bunch of players we did not know last year, right? Nobody was shouting Arturo Rodriguez was going to be the league MVP last year. We didn't know him. We didn't know this team and how they play. And now that we have half a new team, half the starters, I I can't write them off until they prove me that I can write them off, right? You have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they are still going to be, if not as good in the vicinity of what they were last year. Well, I'm just, I'm going to say that I don't think that they have the depth that they had last year, just because so many of those guys that you mentioned, you know, guys like Breck Evans and, um, uh, and Otoro Rodriguez that, you know, now they're up playing in the championship and I'm, I'm just not sure that they'll be able to do the same, uh, the same thing that they did last year. They're not going to be, you know, I, I think as explosive people aren't going to be, sh- there's not going to be the shock and awe that there was early in the season with, you know, these 19 year old kids running all over the place. Um, so, you know, I, I'm probably completely wrong and they'll, they'll end up, you know, probably winning the league again. But, um, but nonetheless, I, I think that there's enough parity in this league that they can miss the playoffs and st- still be a good team and still give everyone a hard time, uh, but not be as dominant as they used to be. And I think now that there's more tape on Ronaldo Damis, you know, d- defenses are going to be able to uh, slow him down and uh, a little bit better than they were last year when he kind of came on the scene about a third of the way through the season and and you know suddenly started to beat people with pace and and uh, um, and and also you know the death by thousand passes again. Again, like there's a lot of tape on them. I mean, that's how North Texas played last year, and I suspect that teams are gonna are gonna be able to come in and defend them um, just a little bit better. Um, and I think I think New England has a chance of being the North Texas of 2020. I mean, I. I you I and really this do. damn New England so, boy, I tell I, you. You know, and, and I hate New England. I'm a Red Bulls fan, you know. Like, <laughs> but you know, I, I got to call him like I see him. And n- nonetheless, I mean, come on, we're doing this for fun. We're we're yeah. both going to be completely wrong, and yeah, you know, OCB will wind up winning the league. Oh, of um, course, of course. <laughs> no, but I will say two players that I think we're looking at. You're looking at North Texas with turnover, and you're saying they don't have as much debt. Players like Gilbrand Rayo and Dante Seeley can ball, and they just didn't because they had such a strong starting core in front of them. So when we say, "Oh, we don't have," you know, they don't have the depth, or we don't know how these players are going to play, I think people are going to, you know, well, I won't be, but I think people like you are going to be surprised to when you plug in Dante Seeley, and then he's scoring double-digit goals, and you know, Gilbrand Rayo has double-digit assists in the first half of the season or the first three-fourths of the season. You're like, oh, so, I mean, I just can't doubt this Dallas system. No matter what, I can't do it. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong, but we'll, we'll see. Say it. Say I'm wrong. 
so I'm not saying I'm not re- saying you're wrong. I you know, play it, this, this back. is a this I is want a, to play this. This back. is a preseason. <laughs> this is a preseason for fun, and I needed to bring some spice. I needed something that was you know that was a little spice, bit different. Spice and crazy um, are two different things, my guy. They're two different things. Uh, or you could do both, right? Uh. <laughs> All right. When we both, of course, had the Greenville Triumph winning the yes. whole thing. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, you have them beating North Texas in the finals. Is that where you are? No, I don't. I'm not going to say all that. I'm. I. This is how I have the regular season playoffs. I think are a different story. Yeah. Yeah. And and quite frankly, I mean, you know, we could all say who's going to win the playoffs, but at the end of the day, the playoffs are a little bit more of a crapshoot, especially in a single game uh, elimination. So. Yep. All right, three bold predictions. What are what's your first bold prediction, Jason? So we mentioned him earlier, Greg Hurst. I think he gets double digit goals and assists this year. I think that he's going to be somebody who's holding the ball up, pushing it to the side. He's someone that can score himself. Uh, I think he's going to be the pivot of Chattanooga's offense, and I think that he balls out this year. I think only one player last year also had double-digit goals and assists, and we all know who that is, so I don't even need to say it. All right, so I feel the train coming uh, coming down the tracks here <laughs> because for my first bold prediction, I'm going to stay on the New England Revolution 2 hype train and say that they will have three players on the team of the year first team. So I'm going to say that they're going to have three players, one uh, one defender, one midfielder, and one attacker on the uh on the team of the year this year how how many how many goals do you think sinclair gets uh i don't know how many goals i mean if you think damis Damis is gonna get 16 goals again i i'll give him that's yeah i'll give him i'll give him 13 i'll give him 14 because like i said i think alex bruce is gonna take some Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and Pepe, of of course, Damon started midway through the season, right? Pepe right. already had like nine or something before yeah. he even came in. So, but but you can have two or three players, I think, on New England who have double digit goals. I mean, you can okay. have, and you know, if if you have that kind of offense and you have a stable defense, um, again, I think that that the talent on offense, especially uh, from the players that they've signed from internationally, I mean, when you watch tape on these guys, they are good. And they, you know, they will surprise people. No, Orlando Sinclair is a beast. Yeah. I mean, I mean, will he get, you know, will he get 15 goals? Um, I don't know. Probably not. But, but, you know, at the same time, you, you could, you've also seen his passing too, right? Like, like that's the other thing he could, he could be a guy like Greg Hurst and have double digit goals and double digit assists, but I'm going to stick with the team having three, uh, three first team of the year players. Okay. That's certainly bold. Uh, so I'm going to go with my second because I actually cheated and have a fourth too. Okay. And, uh, so two of my predictions are for Greenville, but this one is uh, kind of my funny one. Uh, Greenville will have less thunderstorm delays than they did last year. Last year they had four thunderstorm delays that I recall. Nah, I'm not. Um, I'm not banking on that with global warming, <laughs> with all this weird weather we've been having. Not doing it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole half a, the season gets rained out. I'm that's not why it's it. a bold prediction, Jason. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Remember, they had like two games that they had like great fans. They had like, you know, 2000 fans in the stadium and then they had like 90 minute weather delays, you know, yeah. and, and it was unfortunate, too, because it was like a good atmosphere. Um, so anyway, I want that to happen less. So I'm going to that that's going to be my prediction. OK. Who's your what's your second bold prediction, my friend? I think every team finishes 
I, like put it this way, Orlando City ended the season last year with 16 points, I believe. And then the next lowest of that was the Richmond Kickers. I don't think anyone ends the season with less than 20 points. I okay. think every That's team it. has improved. I think that you're going to see a lot more draws uh, in this league. When you look at Orlando City B, all of the international players that they brought in have mostly been defensive players. Uh, so while they do have a good amount of academy players on their team, I think that they're looking to change their back line so they don't give up 52 goals. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I don't think any team points end. You know, I think everyone earns more than 20 points, and I think you're going to see a lot more competitive league throughout all the teams this year. Yeah, I mean, that's not an unreasonable, uh, that's not an unreasonable expectation, right? So you have five wins and five draws, and you're at 20 points, right? And so you still have a terrible record, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, because that still still means you have 18 losses, but <laughs> but it's still, uh, it's still more than, than uh, OCB would have had last year. Um, all right, so my second one is that uh, and again, this is a very specific prediction here. You're is, also forgetting uh, about Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So I'm that 20 might not seem, you know, like oh that's yeah. achievable. They don't even have enough players right now to field a team. So I'm uh, chilling. Get, right, I'm chilling from the right first now. Team and stuff. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to say that Greenville make the League One finals, but only after an extra time win in the in the semifinals. I can so, see that. You know, basically they, you know, they, they forget how to score one game and it's nil nil. And, you know, they, you know, Jake Keegan gets the winner in like the 118th minute <laughs> and, and they make it to the finals. Okay. So like the uh, drama, very bold prediction. All <laughs> right. And uh, go ahead with your third and at the, at least listed on my sheet as your final bold prediction. It is. It is. Uh, so. I talked a little bit earlier about the Olympic qualifiers. Now, I think they go only up until April 1st for CONCACAF. Now, if Toronto do not qualify for the Olympics... You mean Canada. I mean Canada, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Although it would be like half Toronto yeah, players anyway. Yeah. But. Shout out to Calgary and Montreal and all the other places. But yeah, if, if Canada does not qualify for the Olympics, Toronto FC2 is going to make the playoffs. So who who from your list before for the playoff order? So who doesn't make it? Is it Omaha? So Omaha drops out, and TFC it might be it, it, goes it there. And it's I only because like if I if I have to choose a team, I'm only choosing Omaha because I don't know what I'm getting from them. I know what I'm getting from Greenville, North Texas, Chattanooga, Tormenta, Ford. Right? I don't know what I'm getting from Omaha. So that's not saying that Omaha is going to be in sixth place. That's not saying that they would be the team that Toronto replaces. But if I have to choose one, I have to go with them just because they've never played a minute of professional outside of preseason, right? So yeah. I, I and it makes that's total I it makes, go with. makes total sense too, right? The Toronto was both of our dark horse candidate too, right? Yeah. So if there was one team that you were going to replace, if, if you said, okay, if none of these other, who's the seventh team? It Toronto might be our seventh. Uh, exactly. Our seventh. Yeah. So my last one is that uh, is which another... would make North Texas your eight, which is just <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> makes me sick, sick to my I'm, stomach uh, here. In this. I, I'm I'm ill. Uh, I'm glad I'm making you ill, Jason. Come on, it's really late, and you're having me stay up. This we've already got coronavirus to, to, to to avoid. I can't avoid this sickness that you're giving me. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my last one, I, I cheated, and I have a fourth bold prediction. Mine is that 
Omaha will race forward Madison for the highest attendance in the league this season. Um, and but at the end, we'll only have ninety percent of forwards attendance. Mm. So, so it'll be close. I mean, a team that can bring in fifteen hundred people at, at for a preseason, you know, friendly is, you know, pretty impressive. So. Yeah, they. I mean, they've already sold almost what like two thousand season tickets. Yeah, exactly. So. So it, anyway, I, I suspect the two of them will have just really, really great fan bases. I mean, they know how to grow soccer fans in the Midwest, clearly. Um, so, uh, Jason, shall we do listener questions? Because I do yeah, have to edit this thing and get to bed at some point. Let's run through it. I know, I know uh, old man Ira's got his bedtime. So <laughs> let, let's run through these. Our boy uh, Keith Kamachi asks, which of the new teams are you most excited for? Which are you most concerned about? Ira, we already know it's New England Revs, so you can calm down. Uh, for me, now, which uh, of the new teams? You're asking which of the new teams? Yeah, New England Revs too. They're new. Oh, teams. oh Revs too. Yeah, 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 yeah that, that's, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah I was, right, like, right. Concerned. So, who are you most concerned about? Um, yeah, I mean, for the same reasons that that you would say it would wind up being uh, Fort Lauderdale because, you know, we just have no idea what to expect of them. I mean, they, they have a roster. They have Breck Shea. Great. You know, like yeah. uh, otherwise, you know, Breck Shea can't play all 11 positions simultaneously. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I you know, I, I'm not worried about Omaha at all. I think Omaha put together a pretty solid roster and, um, you know, is, is probably like to your point, probably more of you know, at least a mid-table team, if if not better than that, if they can put it all together. See, I'm worried. So Omaha is my answer to both of them. I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see this culture that they're building, the interaction they're having with other, you know, supporters, uh, good and bad. The team account is even, you know, going back and forth with other team supporters, which is weird, whatever. The thing that concerns me, though, is living up to the hype, mm-hmm. right? So you've got all these season tickets being sold. You've got all this trash talking going on. You've got all this hype. You've got the cool logo. You've got you know the crest and everything. I what happens if you go on the field and you're not performing well, right? Ford stumbled and then got into the playoffs on a late run. Um, you know they streaked at the right time and probably looked the best they looked all year towards the end of the season. So what happens if it, that doesn't happen for Omaha and they end ninth place? Is it one of those things to where they can bounce back the next year with the same hype and the same attendance? Uh, so that's what concerns me, right? You, if you're setting yourself up for high expectations, you have to deliver at high expectations. All right. So uh, that's a great answer because we listed all three of the new teams between us. Uh, so that's perfect. <laughs> uh, the Revolution Report asks, thoughts on the Revs 2. What are yeah, the pros can, and cons of having second teams in USL League 1 versus Championship? We can, so, we can yeah, we, you've talked enough about Revs 2. Uh, <laughs> the pros and cons of uh, the second team. Well, well so what's, what's the pro of, of being in USL League One, for example, for uh, for Revs 2? Oh, yeah. I mean, but I mean, look, if they model it the way that Toronto FC2 did, right, to where they have players who get called up and play minutes for the first team, like Jacob Schaffelberg, while also bringing down first team players like Endo, who then can get brought back up and play an MLS Cup, then that's the benefit, right? Yeah, that's the pro of having this team in this league, giving those players those minutes. Otherwise, they might not have gotten it, sat on the bench, uh, you know, weren't playing, were rusty, um, and weren't ready. And so that's the benefit of Revs to having this team in this yeah. league. Or or learn or learn what from North Texas. Look at Tanner Tessman. I mean, yeah. 
you know, Tanner Tessman played, uh, you know, put, played a, a dozen or 15 games for um, for North Texas last year. And now he's, you know, tearing tearing up some uh, defenses for for FC Dallas. Yeah. So so what would then be, um, you know, the, then I guess the, the the pro of being in the championship is obviously the con of being in USL League One. So what's the what's the pro of being in the championship? Uh, the pro in the championship, I I guess would be. I mean, you're better, hypothetically better competition, right? You're supposed to be playing, um, you know, higher level players and who might be more prepared, who might be loaned down from MLS a lot more frequent than the USL League one teams have because we only have a couple of MLS reserve sides. Um, uh, you're playing more games or as far as your traveling experience, um, you have more eyes on you. Um, you know, and it's just, it's more hype to know that you're in a second division than a third to a casual fan. So maybe we should explain Jason to, to folks from, um, from Fort Lauderdale, you know, Miami area, and as well as new England about, you know, one of the things about USL league one is that most of, I, I think USL is having all of the new two teams start in USL league one. And mm -hmm. w because one of the, uh, one of the things that the independent teams don't like in USL League One, but particularly in USL Championship, where they get crowds of eleven, twelve thousand, you know, at at a lot of their games for guys like El Paso and and Phoenix, for example, and and uh, you know the San Diego Loyal got, got you know a ridiculous number as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they they're not used to having MLS two teams that only have a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand people in the stands, and it's you know a lot of a lot of two teams don't even. Try Try to sell tickets in any significant, any serious way. Um, so those are the, I think the um, the issues that a lot of people have, and that the league has. It's a perception problem because when you have Phoenix Rising going to a team that only has you know 300 people in the stands, it's a bad look on TV. It's harder to sell advertising and sponsorships and things like that. So, so I think that's one of the things that the um, that you know the revs too probably never really had the option of going into the championship in this environment in fact a year and a half ago um you know that there was talk that the league wanted every team every two team to be in usl league one and um you know that's probably not going to happen but um hopefully it doesn't because some of the two teams obviously are very good but um yeah but that's the reality right jason yeah, i mean that but it's it's unfortunate too because when you have teams like Greenville, Ford, Omaha, you you know that that bring a good amount of people and have this culture and this you know connection to the community, it it kind of gets watered down when they go play Revs Two and Gillette Stadium that holds thousands of people and only five hundred are there, right? And so it's just aesthetically not good. It kind of brings down maybe the level of hype. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean that is one of the things about some of the two teams that are now, you know, playing an hour, hour and a half away from, uh, or or even closer, but but have their own stadium. It's a smaller yeah. venue. Do, do what yeah. Tacoma's doing. Do what North Texas is doing. There, there's ways to where you can brand and present soccer to a community that doesn't want to make a 45 minute drive. When Atlanta United two were playing in Buford uh, last year. 
they were 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from my house. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go check out a game or two. I ended up going to way more games than I thought because of the convenience and because of the quality of the different teams that were coming down and the play on the field. And I was like, oh, this is great for me to do on a Wednesday night or a Friday night. And so I think by doing that, you allow to yourself to get more fans into that team and that community and you allow more exposure than people who want to drive you know who don't want to drive 50 minutes to frisco to go see fc dallas play and i think you have to have either either a good you know fan base and fan experience and and stadium experience or good play on the field and you know and and that makes up for a lot so like real monarchs and new york red bulls for example are you know teams that are perpetually in the playoffs they always are competitive in most of the games that they play against their opponents you know the real monarchs won the league last year the red bulls won it three years ago you know so i think that these are you know, like you have to do one or the other, right? Either you have to do what Tacoma is doing and what North Texas, well, North Texas is good anyway, at least in League One. Um, but yeah, you have to do one of those two things. Um, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna just point you to to one idea that I had, and if you go on to BGN.FM, I wrote an article actually proposing that USL does promotion and relegation just for um, uh, MLS two teams within the championship and league one, basically saying that if you do well on the field, you should play in the championship. If you don't, you, you know, should come down to, to league one and, and, you know, let teams like Greenville beat up on you or something. Get that um, promo in boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, SC soccer asks here. Let me, let me run through this. He, okay. You, you go through yeah, this one. because that's your boy. I had to edit this question again. Cause he asked for us to do a certain circular motion, uh, activity, uh, for Greenville again, which I think we did do an hour of. So he got that, <laughs> but he asked, should when, uh, how can the league start linking to Freddie Adu? Said he's a sideshow, but he bring eyes to the league and nice attendance boost. So this has already happened. And uh, for those who don't know, Freddie Adu played in Las Vegas and USL championship for the Vegas lights. Um, and it made its news, it made its media run, it brought attention, but that's not the attention that sustains. So I'd rather, uh, you know, a player get attention for, you know, like a Ricardo Pepe, who's in a, a youth national team player who's lighting it up and then goes to FC Dallas and starts lighting it up there too. That's more sustainable attention that we'll get for the league. Yeah, um, I, I agree. He says, are there any washed-up stars you'd like to see take a shot at League One? Uh, I wouldn't call Breck Shea washed up. I think he's close to the shore. Uh, but that's definitely somebody who you know could go one way or the other, right? This could be the last year that we see him play professional soccer in the U.S., or it can be you know, uh, a redemption for him, and he ends up at a starting spot in MLS. Yeah, I, I can't think of any uh, – you know, a- any – any washed up stars. I feel like major league soccer, like if you ask me, if you ask this a couple of years from now, like I don't want to say washed up, but I think guys on the back end of their career who still want to play, like I could see like a guy like a Dax McCarty, right? He plays a year or two at Nashville. He's 35 years old and says, I just want to play a year or two. And, you know, he comes down and and plays for DeMarcus Beasley at in Fort Worth, right, for right. a season. Like, I could totally see something like that. Um, or DeMarcus Beasley plays himself, right? Yeah, like, 100%. If, if Tim Howard's yeah. doing well, Tim it. Tim Howard's then, already doing it, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but but yeah, I I can I could see that occurring. I, I think it depends on on the players actually. You know, like it's got to be weird for players. Um, like you're not going to get a lot of international stars that are going to come over and play in League One. Right. Um, I think it would depend. Like I think it's more. It's not. It's going to be hard for stars. I think to take themselves out of. Um, you know, out of Major League Soccer and then move them down. Like, is Bradley Wright Phillips going to go from the Red Bulls to LAFC and then say, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, play for FC Tucson for a season because I still want to play when I'm 38 years old? No. You know, probably not. You know, but but I think the more journeyman type, like the Dax McCarty type, like, um, uh, well, anyway, so, yeah, people who are, like, on the cusp of, like, quote-unquote, stars but but are solid players who just want to play another couple of seasons and and maybe do something fun Um, okay i got one and uh in the course of 0.5 percent chances happens but drogba comes back uh (laughs) because of his phoenix rising (laughs) and instead plays for tucson as he recovers from a little uh injury that he picked up so there you go uh yeah I mean, I guess that's possible. I guess if you own the team, right? Maybe that's why Demarcus wants to do it. Yep. Uh, so, so is this a uh, is this someone on Reddit? Yes. Five six one seven one asks. So Fort Wayne and Sioux Falls have been floated as expansion teams. Uh, what other independent teams could we see on the horizon? I mean, you know, almost anywhere that has a you know half a million ish kind of population, I think, could potentially support. A USL League One team. It's just a matter of you know what kind of fan support they'll get and what kind of ownership uh, they they can find, right? Because those are the those are the two big things, right? It's it's owners and um, it well three things actually. It's it's owners, fans, and venue. Venue is a little bit easier in League One um, because you can as long as you have a soccer specific stadium, you can you can play. But that could be on a college campus or something like that. So it doesn't have to be you know a, a standalone stadium like they really want for USL Championship these days. So Jason, yeah. do you have anywhere you know that we haven't talked about? I mean, we've talked about the other rumored cities, right? So anywhere. Right outside of those rumored cities that you'd really like to see a team? Rhode Island. So so Providence has been talked about, right? Um, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like we talk about a bunch of cities. Uh, yeah. So. so Providence, I, I, you know, they, they uh, I think that they're probably more likely to be a championship team uh, than anything I just, else. I just want to visit. Like, at this point, let's start naming some cities, right? Like, let's get, let's get a team in Honolulu. Let's right. be ahead and be the first people to put some professional soccer down there so i mean that could be that could be really interesting so so i don't know if if you know this but in um in uh usl league two in the mid-atlantic division uh bermuda Bermuda is yeah yeah bermuda has a team and the way that they're doing it they have to pay for everyone else's travel i think or something and and the, the games are like so 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 they have three games against some teams and so the ones that are at home a team, I don't remember who it was, but one of the teams is going to Bermuda, spending, playing a match Friday, taking off Saturday, playing a match Sunday in Bermuda, and then coming home. So you get a nice long weekend in, yeah. in Bermuda for you know, playing soccer. That's pretty cool. That's how you get the washed up players to come back. You put a team in Hawaii. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you put, <laughs> put them all out there. Hey, Demarcus, you're in the wrong place in Indiana. Go to Honolulu. What are you doing? <laughs> uh medium of mediocrity said great how will the by the way yeah great name uh how will the coronavirus affect league one can league one financially withstand closed door games uh so i talked about this a little bit on twitter i'm i'm pretty concerned that 
we might not start this league on time. Uh, so Ira, I don't know if you uh, have had your phone around you, but the NBA just had breaking news that they're suspending the season and they're on hiatus moving forward because one of their players uh, tested positive for the virus. Uh, there was a Juventus player today that tested positive for the virus as well. And now that athletes are testing positive, I have a feeling that this is going to be a worldwide spread across all sports of play getting suspended. Uh, I think the difference is when you look at the NCAA tournament who won't have any fans and spectators uh, for March Madness, that's a multi-billion dollar industry right they can afford to do that with league one i don't think financially without that ticket revenue uh the venue revenue with concessions and you know local sponsorships and everything i I think it's too much of a loss for the owners i don't see them going closed door i would see them suspending the games and then maybe compressing the schedule and doing double game weeks and and you know just having it later because i think closed doors it's just too much of a hit to the owners i I agree i think that's exactly what they're going to have to do which is unfortunate because i mean either way the teams would wind up um you know probably losing a little bit of money just because you know there's people who have the schedules now they've cleared their schedules now you're doing wednesday wednesday saturday games instead of um you know instead of only more weekend games and that means you can have less people butts and seats um you know do you do you give you know do you give ticket holders uh you know who have currently have a sunday game uh and they have a wednesday game in the future or are you going to give them their money back you kind of have to right if you don't yeah. that's really bad um that's really bad customer service and you're just going to make an enemy instead of um you know for whatever $20 for the ticket like don't, don't do that that's just bad but regard even if they do what you say and i think that that is probably the most likely outcome unfortunately um it's still going to be a financial hit for the for the owners and, yeah uh, and and it, so. it sucks because this is the league that is connecting to the community more than other leagues are supposed to right these are teams to where you know they'll go to the local coffee shop and everyone knows them and says hi and talks to them about the game and it's you know the the supporters group you see especially in Madison with you know the, the flock and Featherstone and all those guys up there just how involved they are not just with the team with the community so to play those games behind closed doors or to not really allow access to the fans to be involved it's hurtful for the league because this is what the league prides itself on this is a league that's directly about you know bringing the community together and expanding professional soccer in the area and so you know it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out Uh, the closer we get and the more you know that this is spreading and and leagues now are starting to suspend games we're seeing in usl championship we're seeing in mls i I don't know if the season gets started on time yeah, keep keep in mind that um, you know people say people say oh boohoo with the millionaire owners you know this is you know you have to have at least ten million dollars in order to own a own a USL League One team not just a U.S. Soccer Federation rule but but let's say that let's say that you're an owner you have ten million dollars and it costs you three million dollars to run a team and suddenly. Um, you know, suddenly a third of that revenue goes away, for example, in a season. Well, yeah. now suddenly you go from having $9 million, $10 million to $9 million. Oh, boo-hoo, they still have $9 million. But you can't do that very often, number one. Number two, um, 
you know, you, you no longer meet the U.S. soccer requirements, if that's the case. And then, and then number three, how how often are you going to be willing to do that? How, you know, how much are you willing to lose? Like you, you know, the, and most of these teams, you know, probably year one didn't make any money anyway, just because right. of the only infrastructure. So if you have a three year plan to break even and, you know, make it make a sustainable team with a good fan base. Well, now that has to be pushed out another year. Yeah. You know, and I mean, so. and. And these owners care, right? Outside of that Dick and Lansing, I mean Dixon, sorry, Dixon, <laughs> that that's his name. Uh, you know, these owners care. Like we talked about in the last show, of uh, calling up the news station and saying, like, "Yo, you need to report our preseason results." This is these are owners who are involved, who want to see the sport grow, who care about the community and the cities that they're in. And so, yeah, it's not just about making money for them too, right? They want to do what's best for their community and they want to do what's best, not just for the team in their pockets, but for everyone involved. So it, it, this this might hurt lower league soccer more than it hurts any other sport. Uh, yeah, I think almost any any lower league uh, sport, yeah, that that's not supported by, like it's not going to affect the two teams that much, but the independent teams for sure. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so anonymous asks, uh, last question, who has the most pressure to make the playoffs? Jason, who do you think? Uh, it's a hard question because I, mean, I think there's a number of teams like, you know, North Texas, right. Cause they won last year. But I don't think, but, see, I don't think they have that pressure from their community. Right. Yeah, I think sure. you look at like Chattanooga has some pressure because they need they are start you know they they're they've got this new stadium they are putting money into their team into their academy they're trying to separate themselves from the other you know soccer team in that town uh the original soccer team in that town right so they already have that against them uh i think if they you know don't make the playoffs and they're not putting butts in the seats at a far better rate than they were last year uh, I think the ownership is going to feel that pressure, and obviously he's he's got tons of money, so maybe not financially, but I don't see that if he doesn't start growing it now, I don't see how this team grows in the future. Yeah, I, I think I think Chattanooga is the right answer. I think this number two is the kickers, um, just because the fan base is so frustrated, and you know they haven't had a good season in a while. You know, everyone was hoping that. You know, moving moving from the championship down into League One would meant meant that maybe the level of play would be just a little bit less, and they'd have a much better season. And they, you know, they didn't last year. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think they need to make the playoffs. I, I think for for any team in this league, particularly with now fifty percent of the teams making the playoffs, not making the playoffs is a kind of a bad season, particularly for the independent teams. And, you know, I think the, and the, the Chattanooga and the kickers are probably prime among them. So those are the two teams that I think really, really need to make the playoffs. You know, Greenville, Greenville at some level will have some pressure just because they were so good and the expectations are very high. But at the same time, you know, they did so well last year that. Yeah, um, I, I just don't see Chattanooga recovering if they don't make the playoffs this year. I just don't see them getting that support that they think that they're going to get with this new stadium, with this better team. They, they have to make the playoffs. Yeah. All right. So with that, uh, that's the end of the show. We'll have an, I'll have an interview show for you uh, probably after the weekend. We'll be back next week or the week after, kind of right before the season starts, whenever that you might do be. Do not want to miss it. Our season preview show uh, less rambling, uh, more concise. If you want to know everything about every team, 
and how they played last year, what they're doing this year. We are going to give you everything that you need to hype you up for what we hope is the opening weekend of USL League One. And uh, we promise it won't be an hour and 40 minute show because I'll have a timer on. Not making that promise. I will not do it. (laughs) I won't. Uh, Anyway, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering all of soccer everywhere as long as it's being played Uh, or even if it's behind closed doors for that matter because we do have some uh, stuff on San Diego Loyal and Phoenix Rising and the like. Thanks to Roughneck Scarves, one of our sponsors, official scarf supplier to Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Ira, I forgot to mention. What's uh, that? Are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Oh, Jason, am I? All right, I figured you were. I, I woke up this morning and I said, you know what? I bet you Ira's tired of those same old uniforms. Because guess what? If you're looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, your senior league that I know you love, or even your pro team, I got something for you. Icarus, oh, I need, a, I need a fresh start. Here, Icarus Jason. FC, my guy. It's your answer. They can help you create a kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thanks, Jason. Once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, hashtag support local soccer. I woke up this morning and I was like, you know what? I was probably sick of these templated kids. I just know it. I know he's sick to his stomach.